Hello, hello, and welcome to Self-Care Sexy. My name is Chris, and I'll be your host. We're a podcast that's here to generate and share self-care ideas with each other. Last episode was a really fun interview with Megan Hussey of Safe Space Reiki. And if you've ever wondered what Reiki is, how it works, and where you can get some, Megan does an amazing job in that episode teaching us all about it. And yes, she is still available for booking with new clients. She has her brand new space located in Oregon City, Oregon. You can check her out and book a session either in person or sign up for distance sessions. Find all you need to know at www.safespacereiki.com. I want to give you a quick preview of what you can expect from today's show. Today, I want to go over the difference between self-care and self-control. I think it's a concept that most people overlook and they tend to get a little confused about when it comes to self-care. So today, I've got a breakdown of the differences between self-care and self-control and some ways that you can keep yourself in check without beating yourself up. But first, a few quick housekeeping notes. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I want to talk today about self-care versus self-control. And I think this comes up for a lot of my type A personalities out there, the perfectionists and people who just generally are like, I know all the things that I need to be doing or that I should be doing, but I just can't seem to get myself to do them. Like, for example, if you know that drinking more water is really good for you and you want to be more healthy and stuff and you know that you need to do more of it, but you can't quite seem to get yourself to actually do it, like consistently, right? Because it's it's a method of self-care, right? Drinking water is one of the easiest ways to get self-care. It might not be like as sexy as a massage or getting your nails done or anything like that. But there are these micro acts of self-care that really do add to a lifestyle of valuing yourself, loving yourself, and making you the priority. But how did you get yourself to actually do those things? And is there a way to get yourself to do stuff without being overly harsh or judgy? And of course, the answer is yes. We can absolutely maintain our self-control without being mean or harsh, and we can do it with compassion and self-love, and it's actually more effective that way. So self-care is the act of putting yourself first, making you the priority before you do anything else. And self-control is really about managing your behavior and resisting your impulses, But there is so much more to it. And I just, I want to get your brain thinking about these two different ways that you interact with yourself. It's really important to see the differences because our culture values self-control so much more than it values self-care. Every single day of the week, since we were like little kids, We've been taught to control ourselves, to control our emotions and control our feelings, control our overeating, watching too much TV, all of that. And all of these are forms of self-control. And sometimes doing those things, like not overindulging or or keeping yourself contained, are acts of self-care. But they are so different in so many ways. So I want to go over real quickly the five differences between self-care and self-control. Number one, self-care feels like loving. 
and self-control feels judgy. And this is really important to get down and feel that you've got a handle on this. Because when you start to tell yourself that I should or I need to or this is stuff I've got to do, whether it's exercise or eating or sleeping or any of the micro habits that you do every single day, you have to be careful with where your intention is coming from. Because if your intention is coming from a place of nurturing yourself, taking care of yourself, valuing yourself, then you know that you're actually doing self-care. But when you can tell that you've crossed the line and you've gone into this self-control and this compulsive behavior, it's going to feel judgy. It's going to feel like somebody is finger wagging at you because you didn't accomplish a certain thing. Whereas self-care feels like I do these things, they're a priority to do them because I love myself. And if I'm not able to get them done, I set myself up so that I can either do something else or it's the first priority tomorrow. So that's how you can really tell one of the biggest differences between whether you're being controlling or whether you're taking care of yourself is what does it feel like? Does it feel like you're being nurturing? Does it feel like you're caring for yourself? Or does it feel like you're being told by an authority figure you have to do these things? Because once you start getting into that, I have to do this, I should do this, I used to do this, all of that realm, that's when you know you're no longer in the self-care. You're now in a, in a self-judging and a comparison and a lack mentality that you really want to avoid, especially if you're trying to learn how to take care of yourself and be better connected to yourself. Number two. Self-control starts with thoughts like, I think I'd like to do this, or what I really need right now is this, versus self-control, which always starts out with the I should. Now, this is extremely important to pay attention to when it comes to what are you doing with your time? Where are you going? Where, Where are you spending your energy? Who are you talking with? What's going on around you? If you're have a curious nature. If you're looking at something that you might want to do next or something that you're kind of getting into, if you're thinking about it in a way that like you're looking forward to it, you would like to do it. It's something that you've always wanted to try. Maybe it's as as simple as somewhere you want to go for dinner tonight, something like that. That's where you know you're in the self-care realm. Where you trip over into the self-control realm is when you feel like you don't have a choice in the matter. When you feel like you're being told you have to do something. Even if the person or the entity that's telling you that you have to do it is coming from within. Okay, I want to go back to that. I want to repeat this because I know this is kind of a like, you know, next level ethereal concept. But when it's self-care... It's coming from within in a curious manner. I'd like to do something. I want to try something. What I could really use right now for myself is this. When it's coming from self-control, it's I need to get off my ass. I need to go do this right now. I I should be doing more work, more chores, more things for the kids, etc. You really have to figure out where do the thoughts come from. Who, which voice inside of you is speaking when it comes to deciding what you're going to do, whether it's the next task that you have to do or some big shift in your life. Either way, you've got to listen to who inside you is telling you what to do next and how it's being told to you. Number three, self-care 
feels easy, whereas self-control feels really hard. Now, that is a huge oversimplification. Self-care actually feels really unnatural for people who don't make themselves a priority. So maybe self-care doesn't feel easy. But how you can tell, even if you're new to self-care, even if you don't have a really great relationship with yourself, even if you're not tuned in to what's going to make you feel better today, it's really important to remember that self-care, self-love, self-compassion, all of that ooey-gooeyness feels easy. It feels good. You might get a little emotional when you start thinking about taking care of yourself. That's okay. That You, you want to be in that, that realm, that area, versus self-control, which feels hard. It feels against the grain. It feels like you're really pushing a rock up a hill, It feels like there's insurmountable obstacles in your way to get whatever it is you're going after. Because self-control comes with this real heavy, hard, fast, black and white rules. Whereas self-love is malleable. It it works itself into whatever's going on. Self-care is one of those things that when you're tuned in and you say to yourself, okay, I'm not feeling great right now, emotionally, physically, whatever it is. What do I need? What? How can I love myself right now? And that feels good. That feels easy. When it's self-control, it's like, I need to get up right now. I need to take 1,800 vitamins I've never taken before and run a half marathon and then do the dishes and feed the kids a nutritional Martha Stewart miracle after all of that, right? That's self-control. That's trying to get yourself to do something from a place of pressure, Number four, self-care makes you appreciate yourself versus self-control, which actually makes you distrust yourself. So think about it. When you're trying to control something, let's think about it outside of ourselves right now. When you're trying to control a situation or you're trying to control a person or if you're like me and you're trying to control a new puppy, right, it is a lot of effort. There is a lot of work involved. And every time you have to push your will onto somebody or something else or push it to get what you're looking for, you don't trust what's happening. Because if you feel like you have to make certain things happen, certain conversations, certain social events happen just the way that you want them to, and you have to insert yourself in all these different places and times and things in order to get the outcome you want, that feels like you don't trust what's going to happen next. Whereas self-care, self-care makes you appreciate yourself. It makes you trust yourself because the more you do it, the more you're like, okay, I don't feel good. I need something. What do I need? Okay, I need this. I give it to myself. I give myself permission and grace to maybe not do all the things on my to-do list today or not do my, you know, A++ effort on these things and instead take care of myself. That makes you trust yourself more and more so that when your gut intuition starts communicating with you, telling you what you need, you'll recognize it when it goes off. You'll hear it. But again, controlling yourself or controlling things outside of yourself always invokes this feeling of distrust, that you don't trust what's going to happen next. You're very uncertain of the outcome. And so you have to do it because you know that if you do it, you can control the outcome. You can make 
what you want to have happen, happen. And that is a huge difference between self-care and self-control. Number five, and last on my list, self-care takes planning and conscientious effort, whereas self-control is compulsive and it's ingrained. So self-care definitely takes a conscientious effort. You have to be aware that you're doing it. You have to make it a priority. You have to think ahead, even if it's just in these micro acts. So let's say you've been running real ragged lately. You're going around. You're doing all the things. You haven't had a minute of time to yourself. And you know that what you need is some kind of recovery from all the chaos and the craziness and the heartache and whatever you've been through. Well, you're going to have to take the time to sort of plan that out and make decisions about what you're doing with your time. That takes effort. Where self-control, it happens compulsively, right? Think about it. We exercise self-control constantly. When's the last time you've wanted to flip someone off, but professionally it's not acceptable? When's the last time you've been in the car and you wanted to rage against the machine, ram your car into the next person in front of you because they are being such idiots and and nearly about to hurt you in some way, right, with their car? Self-control is ingrained. It's already there. It's what protects you from saying something hurtful, even if it's true. Self-control is one of those things that it just comes built in. Our society really ingrained it in us, so we really don't have to think about it or plan for it. You don't get up in the morning and say to yourself, okay, I'm going to make sure that I don't cuss at my kids and kick the dog and, you know, fart on the mailman when he comes by. You know, like you, your self-control is kind of built in, but your self-care, that, however, is not That takes some actual thought. And that's when you know you're kind of working with something that's maybe not as familiar as self-control. Like, yeah, maybe you can control your behavior so you're not screaming at your boss when they're an idiot. And that seems like it's easy and natural and normal. But then after that incident, taking some time away from your work to go for a walk or, you know, to to drink some soothing hot tea or call up a buddy and, you know, kind of vent it out or journal it out or, you know, whatever you need to do to kind of recover from something like that. There's a huge difference in the way that we respond. So really quickly, let me run over that list one more time. The five main differences between self-care and self-control is number one, self-care feels loving versus self-control feels judgy. Number two, self-care starts with thoughts like I think I would like to or what I would need right now is versus self-control always starts with the thought I should. Number three, self-care feels easy versus self-control feels hard. Number four, self-care makes you appreciate yourself versus self-control makes you distrust yourself. And number five, self-care takes planning and conscientious effort, whereas self-control is all about compulsion and ingrained behavior. So with all of that being said, how do you maintain yourself, regulate yourself, get yourself to do the things that you know are good for you without being harsh or overly critical or, you know, exuding a bunch of self-control? Well, the first thing that you have to do is you really have to look at how you're teaching yourself that you are last, 
that you're the least important priority. And I want, I want you to really take a moment and kind of look at your day, look at what you've been through already, maybe in the last couple of days, and start looking for examples where if I were to come and hang out with you and just observe you for a day or two, where would I start to point out the ways in which you are telling yourself you are last, you're last on the list? Like maybe you have 400 emails that are unread or not dealt with and you're, you're internally telling yourself that I'm the last thing on my list. You know, like I'm always the last thing on my list. So you get to that 400 email inbox and subconsciously you're thinking to yourself, well, damn, how far down on this list do I have to go before you'll actually take care of me? That's internally happening. And you have to really be conscientious of where that's happening in your life. So a couple of ways that I've seen a lot of people unconsciously teach themselves that they are last on the list is that they are constantly rescheduling or overbooking themselves. They constantly put off the healthcare visits, the basic, you know, dental visits, vision visits. They they always diminish their own health and their own well-being over other people. They're constantly saying how busy they are. That's a huge red flag. If you feel overwhelmed and busy to the point where you don't have a moment in the day to yourself, that is a huge red flag that you are literally conditioning and teaching yourself that you are last on the list. And when doing that, you're really making a very dangerous pattern that can really lead towards a path of self-harm. And secondly, you have to decide What needs your A-level attention in your life? This was a powerful exercise that I recently went through. I'm sure you've probably already heard about this. I read it in a book or heard it on a podcast. I can't quite remember. But it was talking about things in our life that deserve our A++ perfect level work. And things in our life that deserve the B, where it's like you put effort in, but you're not like 100% all in. And then your C-level work, which is like you're doing the bare minimum to get by. And when I did this exercise, the first thing that I decided goes on the C-level list is the laundry. Like, look, I'm the kind of girl that lives out of a laundry basket. Look, you're going to come over to my house. You're going to see there's always a load in the dryer. And I have no shame about that. I just do too many fun things outside of the laundry that that does not deserve my 100% attention. I'm not washing, drying, folding, and ironing all in the same day, and that would be A-plus effort. But the things that do deserve my A-plus effort, boy, they sure get my full 100% attention. So really, maybe this week, take time to do that for yourself. It doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't even have to be profound. But I'll tell you what. I was pretty shocked at what ended up on the A list versus what ended up on the C list. And it's not what you'd think. Third, you're going to need to develop a really loving guidance system that doesn't tell you what to do and finger wag at you, but that wants to expand the conversation to how you take care of yourself and how you fulfill your obligations. And this is extremely important because the way that you 
teach yourself how to get shit done and the way you conduct yourself, the process by which you do these things is so much more important than the outcome. Because yes, you can grind yourself to the ground to put out an amazing product or an amazing work or an amazing meal. But the way you got there is teaching yourself that you are not worth it. And that is what's going to hurt you in the long run. Last, you've got to stop the shoulds and the used to and the comparison and the grinding. Nobody needs you to show up exhausted and burnt out and horribly mistrusting yourself. Everyone in your life, think about this right now, everyone in your life, your bestie, your mama, your daddy, your auntie, your uncle, your kids, your partner, they all need the best version of you to show up when they need you. And if what's showing up is this half-dead zombie version of yourself because you can't seem to take care of yourself and get your shit done... I want you to go back and listen to this episode. I know I railed through it really fast, but that's because I know a lot of you are so intelligent. You're going to grab these little nuggets and you're going to run with them. But if you are really feeling ground into the floor right now by everything that's going on, I really want you to go back, listen to the episode again, and look for examples in your life where you're feeling loving versus judgy. Or where you're feeling the distrust versus the appreciation. And really start to look at little micro ways you can change that. All right, friends. That's it for this week. Thank you for joining me. If you have a story you'd like to share and you want to be on the show, please email me. It's Chris, K-R-I-S, at selfcareissexy.com. Okay, we got some really great content coming your way, so stay tuned. And remember that self-care is sexy. We're giving you permission to put yourself first.